Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Hi, guys. Welcome back to an episode of the Black Doctor Collective podcast. Today we have a guest. Very exciting. Um, Okay, meet Dr. Christine Goins. She's a board-certified integrative adult, child, and adolescent psychiatrist, a world traveler, we're going to get into that, and a physician coach of the Nomad MD. Dr. Christine is passionate about helping physicians free themselves from the bureaucracy and the rigid scheduling of traditional medicine, amen, so that they can take control of their greatest currency, time. I say that all the time. Time abundance is the absolute goal. After years of working in conventional healthcare settings, Dr. Christine decided to pursue a lifestyle of freedom and adventure by becoming a nomad while continuing to serve others. She now focuses on helping physicians achieve location freedom so that they can live more fulfilling lives while making impactful contributions to the communities and causes they care most about. Dr. Christine embraces physician wellness and empowerment, and through coaching, provides guidance and strategic planning on how to pivot to digital practice and create an ideal nomadic lifestyle. So you know I have to have you on here because nobody loves travel more than me. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you about this digital lifestyle and this nomadic lifestyle because isn't that the dream? It was definitely my dream from from childhood yeah. so <laughs> yes getting paid to travel was on my top list when I was in residency I think oh, I was wow. like, I'm trying to get paid to travel yes you had you had it right that was on my manifestation <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so tell us your backstory yeah. like how did you decide to become a doctor mm-hmm. and all of that So I decided I wanted to be a doctor when I was eight. So it's been a long time coming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just knew that uh, it it was my destiny from just early on. And so that was always going to be my path. I also knew that I wanted to travel the world. That I figured out when I was a teenager, just, you know, reading Eric Jerome Dickey books and imagining a life outside of the U.S. <laughs> um, oh my God, I used to read those. <laughs> flashback. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was always trying to figure out like how I was going to balance these worlds. And um, in the beginning, it seemed maybe feasible at points in time you know you had that little break after the first year of med school Mm -hmm. during the summer so that summer I went away to uh, Costa Rica to learn medical Spanish and then later in fellowship uh, I I had a month off where I could integrate it into uh, my psychiatry uh, fellowship and I went away to Nepal to study mindfulness at a Tibetan Buddhist monastery and that is really I, cool. <laughs> life-changing, literally <laughs> life-changing. 
so I definitely knew that I needed to do both, but it was just figuring out how. There were always aspects of the journey in medicine that would lead to burnout because there was there was always this period of time where there was such a lack of flexibility. There was not enough time for all the passions. It was like medicine is life. Um, there was a lack of diversity. There was a lack of open-mindedness about a lot of things. And so I was trying to always balance that with the joy that I had for medicine and the joy that I had for psychiatry and the families and the communities that I was working with. So, so I was trying to think through like, what, what is my doctor lifestyle going to look like when you would like mention it to attendings? They're like, oh, no, it's like either academia or private practice. Or that's it. <laughs> right. That was it. There was two options and they both suck. They both suck. <laughs> Anyone in academic medicine or private practice, it's just not our cup of tea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My goodness. Okay. So you're like, this is not the life for me. What was your next step? Like, what did you decide to do? You know... Like many people, I just stayed the course. Mm. You know, I stayed the course for a little bit because, you know, part of me knew this wasn't it, but it was the road that was laid out. So in in many ways, it was still the most comfortable road. True. And so I did all the things. So I, you know, kept going forward. I got into leadership. I became an associate program director. I became chair of the equity, diversity, inclusion committee. Like I, I was going to find my space to be able to enact change in the way that I thought it could be in this system. And the more that I took on, the more burnt out I was. And I was like, this is, I, I thought I was helping, but actually this doesn't feel generative in any way. And the burnout then led to depression. It led to physical manifestations to the point that almost every organ system had been impacted by like my third year in. And I found myself wow. in a neurologist's office having like abnormal spasms all over my body. And within five minutes of the appointment with me talking about like how completely stressed out I was about my job, he said, he just stopped me. He was like, should I just prescribe you Lexapro? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to leave my job. <laughs> like, I don't think I need Lexapro. I think I need to leave this job. And so yes. it was like this moment of like, do I treat my fear of change with Lexapro or do I just take the leap and move uh -huh. forward with creating the life that I really want? It's so funny that you are not the first and I'm sure not the last physician that I've spoken to that talked about actual physical symptoms that for the most part were relieved when they left the job. So, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's part that's also in part because we 
throughout training are taught to like ignore all these body symptoms, right? In order to be a good trainee, a good student, a good resident, you have to like ignore all of your body urges, your your own needs. And so by the time you become this attending, you're just kind of figuring out how to cope with this symptom before you realize it. And then you're like, wait a second, this is the job. <laughs> exactly. It, it was almost like you had to, in many ways, at least in my training, I almost had to repress my humanity a lot of mm-hmm. times, like not even being able to cry right. when patients are suffering in front of me and I'm, you know, really experiencing that in, in some ways with them. And being like pulled out of the room and chastised for it, you know, there were just wow. all these moments within training that really taught me to suppress so many different aspects of myself that I had to unlearn, you yeah. know, as an attending. A lot. There's a lot of unlearning. I feel like that's its own training program. <laughs> yes. yes. How to unlearn the trauma of training. Yes. My gosh, it's insane. Okay, so you got a, you got to the neurologist. He doesn't suggest that you take a break from work. Instead, no. he suggests medication because yeah. that's generally what physicians end up doing, right? Right. Okay. Right. So you decided to leave. What like did you just quit that day? What was that? What did that look like? So I have been all along kind of building up this plan. You know, I had this five-year plan I had constructed on one of my 18-hour hauls back from Asia uh, home. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to live my life abroad. And so during the pandemic, when all of this was, you know, kind of coming to a head, both of my grandmothers died and it really just spurred everything for me. It just helped me to see more clearly how time really is our most precious commodity. And I didn't have time. I didn't even have five years to wait. Like I I needed to do it right. So I turned my five-year strategic plan into a five-month plan I booked a one-way ticket to Columbia and I've put an interview on the books to speak to my boss to quit. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. I mean, first of all, sorry for the loss of both of your family members, because I feel like that is, COVID was already a hard period and then the grief in addition. So I can understand the motivation, almost the spurring to be like, no. This is the end of it. I need to do something immediately. I respect that. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, but I can't say it's more difficult than staying in a situation that you don't want to be in in a lot of ways. It, It was interesting to like think back on it now and recognize how burnout has been one of my greatest assets (laughs) like that experience has actually changed my life in so many ways just listening like learn to listen to yeah what that experience had to offer me wow I mean that's amazing because different things can come out of trauma can come out of you know getting sick people handle it different ways so I feel like 
the path you took is still to me admirable because you could have handled it in any number of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you have made this five month plan. You book a one-way trip. How do you sustain yourself? Cause that's the first question I have is like, okay, but how am yeah. I going to pay for all that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is where I think the open-mindedness just kind of comes into play. And even from training, I had always thought about having multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. always having multiple opportunities at once. So even out of training, I automatically began doing um, private practice and having, you know, contracting with organizations while I was in academia. So I was always doing both. Okay. Um, and so when I left academia, I was still doing contract work. And so that really gave me the flexibility and the freedom to kind of just focus in on that piece mm-hmm. um, and let go of everything else. And so even though I had been, you know, practicing essentialism all along, so I was always circulating money around what I valued the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so that allowed me to kind of save money um, so that I didn't necessarily need to worry. Like if the worst case scenario occurred, I had an emergency fund. I could survive off of that if necessary, but I didn't need it because I was going to continue having the stream that I had. And so um, one of the first things that I wanted to do was I never something about working five days a week and being off to never sat right with me. No, something was always off about it. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I wanted to do was make sure that I was working only two days a week and was off five days a week. That. Yes, that's a good switch up. So that was the first, <laughs> that was the first action plan. Um, so that's kind of what I set up in the beginning. And so that was more than enough because of the financial strategies and practices that I already had. That was more than enough to max out all my retirement accounts, save as much as I was saving, you know, and also pay for my lifestyle. So that's kind of what I did. I had also um, learned more about different strategies that would allow me to um optimize my travel. So I had learned a lot about credit card efficiency before I left so that all of my travel and flights were free anyway. So, you know, there was a lot of it that allowed me to kind of just move forward into the experience and and pay more attention to, you know, the the exploration that I wanted to have rather than thinking about the financial aspect. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. So was your contract work telemed? You can do it from anywhere? Yeah, it was like consulting. Yeah, it was like contracting, consulting. But remote, because if you're going to travel, you want to have that. Yes, and and I have been doing that for years. Even within academia, I have been doing um, telemedicine as well. That's amazing. And I think people undervalue that option because you want to have flexibility. For sure. I also like where you were doing things financially. I think a lot of doctors underestimate the importance of good, healthy money mindset. So you mentioned credit card efficiency. You mentioned like, you know, using your money 
only essential things, things that you valued and saving and doing all this stuff. So is that something that you grew up with that money mindset or did you teach yourself that? I taught myself that during residency. Like during residency, there was this point that, (laughs) you know, where they have you like sign up for the target um, date um, funds for your retirement account. And I was like, I don't really know what these are. Um, I just know it says like 2050. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, when they break down. Yeah, so I was like, uh, I should probably learn something about finance and figure figure this thing out. So I dedicated my time um, to join fellowship, especially to just reading financial books. So I just constantly read financial books so that by the time I left fellowship, I felt really comfortable financially and I had been practicing um, philosophies like minimalism since I was in residency. I had been learning about that. So it just kind of helped me to cultivate a lifestyle that was more based off of what I really wanted and valued rather than me kind of focusing on everyone else and what everyone else was doing. Mm -hmm. So then I could always have what I really wanted. Yeah, I feel like these are such core concepts in order to get to where you are because money management is key. You know, like knowing your values is key. Like really just focusing on what is important to you, what you want, like in terms of your life, like having goals outside of medicine. I think a lot of people don't have that where they are focused on the goals that are given to them because that's kind of how we were trained, but Mm -hmm. they become attendings and they're still focused on an extrinsic goal that has nothing to do with what they value, what's important to them. And so when they do hit burnout, they're not quite where you are. They're like in a totally different place, right? So I I love your principles and your philosophies and we're going to share where to follow you because I feel like I'm sure you're sharing all those things and that's key. (laughs) Because those are things people underestimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I necessarily thought about that when I was undergoing the process of, right. of how all the things that I have been learning had all kind of coalesced and was able to help guide, but that's how the universe works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like everything is getting ready, getting you ready for the next step, for the next leg of your journey. So yeah. Um, I think that also as physicians, and, and this was one of the things that I struggle with, with making that decision to take the leap, is that we focus so much on others. It's like part of, you know, like we're, it's part of our makeup, you know, it's like we care so much. And I have- But it's to- also part of the training. It is. The comparison to others, the keeping up with everyone around you, the- almost like the bubble that you're in when you're a student and then a trainee mm-hmm. that like people outside of medicine don't understand what I'm going through. So it's like, there's a good part of it where we are focused on like the patients and the community and whatever, but we're also focused on our classmates and our, our attendings and our, everyone else that's around us. So, yeah. For sure. For sure. And I think that like one of the things that I thought about was like, oh my gosh, can I leave my patients? You know, it was like, can I leave this community? You know, um, 
But I think one of the things that I had to shift in my mindset that was really important was that the best way for me to free anyone else was to free myself. And that was the only way it was going to happen, you know, that I couldn't teach someone else how to be well, except through the clarity of my example. So that's what I need to focus on. Yes. Can we talk, can we repeat that for the people? Because (laughs) so many people don't understand clarity through action. They want to wait for clarity. Clarity is not something you gain by sitting in the same place. You have to be moving, exploring, deciding, taking action. Clarity is an action. It's not a passive thing. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that. Yeah, I think sometimes we think we could imagine, like think our way through it, but yes, unfortunately, it takes more than that. The no-go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you moved out of the country. You took a one-way ticket. Yeah. I guess bring us to where you are now. How much travel have you been doing? What have you? What's your experience been like? So now I have traveled for over two years. Um, wow. I've lived in over 10 countries and Love that. I, have, I think one of my favorite things about travel is the ability to develop meaningful, enduring connections with folks from different cultures mm-hmm. in different countries. Um, yes. it's just been amazing. Like I always wanted to have friends all over the world and now I have friends all over the world. It's just really, really awesome to, to experience that you can have so many differences from people, but you're still so connected in so many ways that bring yes. you together. So it's, it's a beautiful experience. Honestly, I think that that just makes you a better person, if that makes sense like meeting more people, having that connection and realizing how similar we are instead of focusing a lot on the differences, Mm -hmm. I think is empowering and also just better for our overall existence, like as people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So which countries have you been to? I've lived in Colombia, Ecuador, Guatemala, Panama, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Georgia. Um, I want to say that's the number that I've lived. I've traveled to other countries, but that I've lived in, like experienced the healthcare system there, bought my groceries, like did all the things. (laughs) Right. It's true. You have to, if you're not shopping for groceries or figuring out laundry or day-to-day life, it doesn't count. You, know, as living. <laughs> you gotta figure out where to get your hair done and where's your dry cleaning and all the things. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That sounds super cool. And you are where now? Now I'm in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So are you fluent in Spanish? Because you had a lot of South American countries on your list. You know... My minor in college was Spanish. So you would make a lot of assumptions. And <laughs> I would love to say that, but then you might test me and find out that I'm just intermediate, which is okay. I'm, I'm always working on it. It's, it's, it's actually challenging because 
I meet so many people who are bilingual. And when you're having like right. a lot of deep, meaningful connections, they don't want to wait for me to like, <laughs> they're like, let's just go to English and talk about this. <laughs> right. I know. I, yeah. I traveled in South America when I was in residency and I was in Ecuador and Peru. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a great time for me to like learn my Spanish. It's going to be so good. Girl, everyone spoke to me in English. You see, that's my issue. <laughs> I took medical Spanish class. I did teach some, some classes there, like how to do CPR and like the Heimlich maneuver in Spanish. Oh, it took awesome. a lot of research. And because it was a presentation, it was like less interaction. So it was more me like figuring out my slides and then just reading them. But it was difficult. I have to say, it's hard to learn a language, especially as an adult. No, it's, I mean, living abroad too creates like these really unique like opportunities. So one of my passions is studying wine. And that's the thing about having time freedom is that you then have time for all of your other passions outside of medicine as well. So, you know, when I was living in Panama, I was connecting with different sommeliers there and, you know, having to do classes in Spanish about something as technical as wine. I mean, having opportunities for right. things like that and it don't just pop up all the time for me, but. That's so cool. That's really cool. What are some of the other like interesting things that you get to do now that you have time abundance? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I love yoga. I became like a yoga teacher many years ago. I don't, I would say I practice more than I teach now, but like yoga and Pilates exercise, spending time in nature, um, really just going out, connecting with folks, doing live music. Um, I'm going to go to a concert tonight after this is done. <laughs> just, you know, right. just being out, eating. Oh my goodness. Just eating oh, so many food. things. So many things. Oh, I can already taste the food. <laughs> and resting that's, too. Learning how to rest. That's been a hard one. That is a big one. How do you teach yourself how to rest? It takes so much. I think it's the hardest thing I've learned how to do since I left US. Mm. The number one hardest wow. thing. And I'm still, if I'm being honest, I'm still working on it because there is this still yeah. cultural drive to produce, to work. Go, go, go. go yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to like force yeah. myself to learn how to nap. I had to learn how to nap. I had to learn how to. Um, I have recovery days where I tell myself I can't do any work. Um, I can only do activities that I find to be generative. So that means if that means laying down and just listening to like law of attraction on YouTube, or if it means like um, <laughs> going to the spa or something like that. Sometimes it doesn't mean that. Sometimes it just means I'm going to you know, have an intimate chat with a friend and, you know, drink here, yeah. drink mate, because that's an Argentine thing <laughs> and just relax. Yeah, I feel like now I need to make, I'm inspired by you. I need to make a list of ways to rest. I'm going to add that to my agenda because I have a hard time resting. I'm sure we all I always do. want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you are first of all living the dream 
respect, first of all. And now you're also teaching other physicians how to do that. So tell us about how you got into coaching and kind of what your goals are around that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I've always just had a passion to serve. And I think many physicians have that passion to serve. And so, like I said, when I was in academia, my way of serving physicians was in the system. And it it just seemed like there were so many impediments to doing that. And so as I began to transition and saw, okay, there are these other ways, there's these other avenues that we can achieve this freedom. Like how else can I serve? Like how else can I help in a way that doesn't seem to come up against all of these other aspects and other systems? And so that's I said, hey, what about the lifestyle that I've already created? What if there are other physicians who also want to experience that, who also want you know, to live a life, you know, full of exhilaration, uh, want to experience peace of mind, who have a passion for travel, um, who want to create a lifestyle that's really in alignment with their values, um, who really have the cognitive flexibility to think outside of the box and are willing to do that, are willing to take a chance on themselves. And people who may want to use location freedom as a jumping off point, as a fast track towards other freedoms, including financial freedom, time freedom, and mindset freedom, which is the way that I used it. Girl, sign me up for all of that. That sounds fantastic. Okay. (laughs) All of those things sound amazing. I don't know who wouldn't want to sign up for that, honestly, because that's the goal, right? It's like everyone wants freedom of some kind. So I guess, uh, how can people find you? Yeah. Yeah. So you could find me um, online at thenomadmd.com, on Facebook at thenomadmd, and on Instagram at thenomadmds. Okay. And we'll put everything in the show notes so people can just click to your Instagram, your Facebook, your website. That's amazing. Super random question. How do you pick what country to go to next? So I do a combination of things, but because I'm a a wine professional and I spend a lot of time studying wine, a lot of times I'm in a wine region like I am right now. So. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. When you said wine, I was thinking Argentina and then you said Panama and I was like, that was not the country I was expecting. (laughs) That is so cool. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Is that what also took you to Georgia? Yes. Yeah. Because that's another country I wouldn't have thought. The birthplace of wine. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And how is it being black in a lot of these spaces? You know, that's so interesting that you asked that because it has taught me so much about myself to like, I mean, in medicine as a Black physician, you're not, it's not like a new thing to show up somewhere and be the only Black physician there. That's not new, but it was new to like show up in a whole city or country where it seemed like you were the only Black person there or to have people kind of stare at you constantly when you're out. And you'll see online, 
different people kind of expressing their reactions to that. And it is jarring, like when you first experience it, but I've learned so much because for me, everything is perspective. Everything is perspective. And so I would shift that in my mind and I'd be thinking to myself, wow, they're just so amazed that they're seeing someone so so beautiful here in uh (laughs) and I'd be like hey how are you like oh and then I'll be like oh my gosh she's looking at me um and so or some people be like hey wonderful and so it really began to to shift my experience because I think how you show up to a place is reflective of you know the the community the experience everything is going to reflect how you're showing up And so I really just focus on my own energy and there is not one place that I've been to, whether I was the only black person or I wasn't, that overall hasn't been completely, you know, welcoming and wonderful to me. I agree with you. I find that, I think, especially coming from the U.S., Generally, when people stare at you here, it's not friendly. It's not out of curiosity. It's out of like outsider view. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes places and there, it's a very like, you're not necessarily welcome in that space. And so mm-hmm. when you go to another country and people stare at you, if that is your perspective and that has been your experience, then I think you do have a harder time, you know, bridging that gap right but I find most countries that I go to people are genuinely curious they want to know where you're from they want to know about you sometimes they want to touch your hair but you know (laughs) I know but genuinely it's mostly positive curiosity or like interest or whatever and and so I agree it really is about your perspective whether you want to internalize that as you know I'm not welcome here without doing further investigation or if you want to interpret that as like they are just amazed by this melanin (laughs) glory that's going on here you know like for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always going to be, there's been situations and, and circumstances where it hasn't been necessarily a positive reaction or something, but that's everywhere. I had that in the U.S. So I, I really didn't think that that was something to <laughs> dissuade me from traveling. Yeah. I think I have it more in the U.S. than anywhere else. Let's be real. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember when I went to Thailand, someone was like, Beyonce, because I think that's the only Black person that they know that's like American and Black or whatever. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I am Beyonce. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they were saying, but they didn't know any English. And that was the only person. And I was like, mm-hmm, Beyonce, if that's the affiliation, I am not going to argue with you. Accept it. Just accept it with <laughs> grace. Like, well, thank you. It's a compliment and I will take it. so yeah I I agree it's really about perspective and I also like that you mentioned in regards to your like coaching and people who are looking to get into this lifestyle that they do come into it with that open-mindedness because that's not just about developing that type of lifestyle it is also about being in new spaces trying new things experiencing new cultures 
the best way to do that is to be and stay open. So I really do love that that is part of what you described, you know? For sure. I mean, I think you you said that really beautifully. I mean, it's it's really difficult to foster genuine relationships with people from different communities if you don't come in just being open and curious, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. And I always have all the questions. I'm like, okay, because I feel like when you talk to strangers, that's when you learn all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. All the best food spots, everything. <laughs> yes. People are meant to be communal. For sure. Even, I mean, traveling solo, this is the most extroverted I've ever been in my life. Are you an <laughs> introvert? Yes. For sure. <laughs> You're like, yes. Mm hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm an ambivert, so I do both. I have my moments of either side where I'm like, yes, I love the people. And then I'm like, I'm maybe inside. Please do not distance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think traveling solo also gives you so much time with yourself. So if that's not something, if that's something you struggle with, you know, it's definitely a muscle to grow because um, just that, that time for that deep introspection is really, for me, has been really helpful just, you know, for my own evolution. That's a good point. Spending time with yourself is educational. What do you think have been the most important things that you've learned about yourself? How to follow my own inner knowing. Mm. Yeah. You know, how not to rely on um, other people so much in terms of advice, in terms of suggestions, but to sit in silence with myself, recognizing that there's a inner part of me that knows the answers to the questions that I'm asking. Mm. Another is like learning these different aspects of my personality, like always feeling as though I was this, this introverted person, but seeing how I, I can evolve and I can shift and I can almost like open up from the inside out. There's all these different aspects of myself that, that were really covered up. And we kind of talked about even in medicine that were somehow like suppressed in many ways that are now blooming again I'm now like shedding a lot of different aspects of myself um, that were no longer needed that you know where I had a lot of fear and anxiety around now I can let down a lot of those walls and it's I think that's what's also allowed me to to make some of the most impactful connections that I've made abroad um, is being able to kind of undergo that that kind of transition and change and, and realize those things about myself. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot and so valuable. When are you not going to need to know those things about yourself, about your preferences? I also mm-hmm. like the flexibility. Like with time abundance, I find that I now focus on my natural energy flow throughout the day like Mm -hmm. what's a good time for me to be working what's a good time for me to be 
like resting or, or vegging out or whatever. Like there's, it's different when you're not just like on someone else's schedule. So even, I mean, I'm not, I haven't even advanced as much as you. I'm still doing four days a week. I thought I was doing something. I'm like three to four days a week. That's good. <laughs> I'm like in two though, two, that, that sounds good. fantastic. Right. Some people say none and I've tried that. I don't like it very much. It sounds nice, but there's there's something about the structure of mm-hmm. of doing meaningful work. It's something yes. about the impact of that that really makes your other time even more precious, I think. Yeah, I think there has to be a purpose to the time that you have. And so, yeah, if you don't have a little bit of a constraint, you know what I mean? You kind of lose the edge of like, yeah, you you always have the same time constraint, honestly, right? Like your life is yeah. only going to be but so long. You don't know how long it is. But you forget that, I think, without something kind of imposing at least on a little bit of the time. Yeah. So that it makes, yeah, it gives you like the perspective. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what you're saying, though, because this is something that I've been finding as I deepen my freedoms, all of them, and Mm -hmm. realizing that there are so many layers to these different aspects of freedom, and that when I go deeper into my freedom, the way that I do it is with more discipline. Mm. And so there is this natural constraint that you have to have in order to deepen your freedom. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Because it does become more about, like you said, value and purpose. You can't just operate just off of nothing. Right. Yeah. And when you become value-based, I think the discipline kind of flows with it naturally because you want to put emphasis on those things that you're valuing. You want to spend money and time in a specific way and everything else just kind of feels like, you know? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) I definitely, yeah. I, for now I'm trying to teach myself that I need to, operate in like an absolute joy if Mm -hmm. something is not certain joy for me and that applies to like clothing that I have in my house or like things that are around me if that thing is not a definite oh my gosh I just love this thing then it's a no I feel like we talk ourselves into a lot of scenarios that way where we're like oh maybe I can make it work or Oh, mm-hmm. I can fit this outfit or, oh, I can, you know, you convince yourself a lot and half the time you end up either not using those things or wearing those things or enjoying that experience because it really wasn't the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that makes me think so much about, you know, time, you know, being a physician and saying yes to way too many uh, responsibilities. Yes talks, whatever it is, um, meetings, meetings, learning how to say no. Yes. Yes. So many, so many. Yeah. And the, the power in saying no. Oh, it's so Ooh, sweet. That, that has saved me <laughs> from so much. There is a definitive, for me, a definitive joy 
in expressing my boundaries, making demands or expressing mm. my needs consistently and sticking up for them because a, it's hard to decide, you know, what it is you really want and you will talk yourself out of it. I find myself, I often talk myself out of things. I, I was the queen of telling myself no before I even asked for it or whatever. So now I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to ask for the thing. And even if I get a little pushback, I'm going to be firm about it. Because when you get that thing, it's so good. Yeah. And when you say no to the stuff that you're like, good, I said no. And now I don't have to deal with it. Because when yeah. you don't know, then you are resentful and passive aggressive and just upset for how much longer because you were uncomfortable in a moment and you made this momentary decision to ease that instant discomfort, but didn't plan for the long-term discomfort. Exactly. I think it's the small ways in which we betray ourselves and it's, it becomes deeply impactful. Um mm-hmm. And so it's learning how to love ourselves enough to not do that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. These are like amazing life lessons. Okay. I hope everyone is evaluating these things. Like, are you operating in a way that feels good to you in a way that prioritizes things that are important Please, people, go ahead and look up Dr. Christine because she's living a lot of your ideals. I know people listening to this podcast specific are looking for those kinds of things, right? For the time freedom, looking for the financial freedom, trying to see what the options are. So thank you so much for sharing your whole story and your lessons. This has been great. I will list all of the information to find you to follow you. I already follow you of course and I love what thank you so much for having yeah, me what you're doing what you're sharing and so people this is the dream have a value-based lifestyle is there anything else you want to tell our guests as an imparting last message um just that if you have a deep inner knowing that you want to travel that there's a certain type of lifestyle that you really want to live that you're not currently experiencing, that it is for you, that the universe has placed that desire within you for a reason. Go after it. Mm -hmm. Go get it. Yeah. And you have the resources now, right? Like within this community, you see that there's other doctors who are doing it. When you set your intention to do something, then It's always like, let your helpers find you, you know, let the people who will guide you into that space pop up in your timeline. So there's a reason you're hearing the episode. There's a reason why you're getting this information at this time. And so it's really important to like follow that path. I love it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Until next week, guys, I'm not sure if there's going to be an episode next week. We will see. Because, you know, it's travel time. It's summertime. So we got to rest. Like like Dr. Christine already prescribed that I need to rest more. So we're going to see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars. 
but also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can, Instagram at The Black Doctor, The Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.